0: Hello, and welcome to Meet the Founder, a new series within But Why podcast. My name is Clemmie Telford, and before I began out on social media, my career was in advertising, as an agency creative director, and later as a creative strategist at Facebook and Instagram. I have a fascination with brands, how and why they exist, and the stories of the people behind them. Meet the Founder is my opportunity to marry my love of honest conversations about tricky subjects with my curiosity about brands. It's business chat, but a bit
1: nosier. I just couldn't get over the fact that there wasn't somewhere for mainstream women and couples to actually go to. You know, where would you go if you wanted to watch something sexy that wasn't vulgar, that wouldn't suddenly have loads of pop-ups and you wouldn't feel, my God, this is so male-centric. And there was nowhere.
0: today i'm talking to anna richards founder of ethical sex platform frolic me anna started the platform in 2015 providing porn for women and couples to comfortably engage and com- complement their personal sexual adventures without shame it is a unique offering that provides a safe and trustworthy quality erotic experience online shattering the stereotypical notions of what traditional pornographic uh, shattering the stereotypical notions of what traditional pornography can achieve is it weird hearing me talk about your business with you sitting right there? I'm okay. Um,
1: <laughs> sounds, so it sounds great business, actually. Yeah. I, I must check it out. <laughs> so, give me the elevator pitch for the business, why it exists. Well, mm-hmm. I founded um, Frolic Me back in 2015 for women and couples to safely and responsibly engage in some sex positive erotica, which would enhance uh, well being and education. I wanted it to be a platform uh, to really champion female pleasure. And quite frankly, it's it's for those who are just curious about the joys of sex. I really wanted to explore eroticism. I wanted to really prioritize pleasure, which is something we women just don't do. And I wanted to help cultivate sexual um, confidence uh, to discuss all things about sex and really help shatter this, this notion of the female pleasure. Um, And I think it's something that's so important. And for many women uh, my age, in their 40s plus, actually, I'm a little bit older than that, um, I don't think we ever really had this understanding of of female pleasure and what it meant. And there was really nowhere to go. Uh, There was no safe space, as it were, that wasn't either very male-centric, pretty gratuitous, certainly didn't have any lust or fantasy-driven, hot-blooded passion, um, and I just felt there was, there was something so sorely lacking um, for women and couples to engage in.
0: I'm interested in whether your motivation was kind of a, a personal endeavor or a business one or somewhere in between the two.
1: It was both. Um, at the time, uh, God, I was back in my early 40s. <laughs> um, couple of children, uh, happily married, and I suppose 40s is a really interesting time for women because we're sort of bringing up our children there of a certain age. And, and there's a time where you can sort of turn the, turn the tables on yourself and sort of find out what, what is it that you're looking for. And, and I was somebody that was falling into the camp where I wanted some exciting sex, uh, as opposed to just, you know, do the job sex. <laughs> you know, there I was, I couldn't actually name a brand. I couldn't think of a site where I'd go, oh, yeah, I'll go there. Um, and when I sort of looked for anything that was erotic and, and sexy in my eyes, you know, sexy through woman's eyes, I just didn't see anything. And yet I could go along to the cinema in, in the sort of, well, in the early sort of 2000s when you'd get fantastic cinema adverts of the likes of sort of Kylie Minogue on a on a Bucking Bronco sort of owning this sexuality. I mean, that I felt, that to me, I went, no, that's sexy. Where is that? Where is that in in films? Um, And I just felt it was so sorely lacking. Um, And I was a woman who was into brands in terms of there were brands for different things. Um, And I just couldn't get over the fact that there wasn't somewhere for mainstream women and couples to actually go to, you know, where would you go if you wanted to watch something sexy that wasn't vulgar, that wouldn't suddenly have loads of pop-ups and you wouldn't feel, my God, this is so male-centric. And there was nowhere. So I I toyed with the idea for a few years. I even started a, a blog of all things um, where I used to come up with very beautifully creative imagery and sculpt a story about it. So I was almost, unbeknown to me, I, w- I was almost semi-scripting a film from a single image. And this image I would look at and I'd just go, God, that was sexy. And it wouldn't necessarily be full of nudity. It would just be, I don't know, looking through a table, you just see a, there would be a the bottom half of a woman, maybe in some thigh-high boots or something sexy. It was a man and maybe they'd just run in through the doors. You could clearly tell there was maybe an embrace going on. and And there was a sexual energy about this singular image But there wouldn't be a film like that. And I suppose I started to create stories and that's why stories feature so much on fright Me um, because they really do coat the erotica from a single image. So um, yeah, so I started this blog and I suddenly found I I got quite a following. Uh, It wasn't monetized. It wasn't, you know, it was really almost just me playing with concepts and ideas. And then I started to sort of question this. Where, where are the films? Where, where's, where's that raw sexual energy? And, and something through looking at the absolute female pleasure. Where is it? Where is it? And, then, and I just felt that like it's not there. And then one day I turned around to my husband. I said, right, that's it. I'm going to make some erotic films. <laughs> yeah, and I did. And how, and how do you go about doing that? Well, I try to track down people in... The industry. I came across a fabulous couple who were in Canada, and they were uh, they ran a rather sexy little site, very small niche, independent, and they were they were a very creative couple. And I chatted to them about how things ha- worked, how what sort of th- so they sort of were great. I met up with them in Paris, and and they sort of gave me some ideas. Then I tracked down um, some people in the industry and said, look. How do you go about it? I mean, you know, I yeah, I want to make a porn film, really, but I I just didn't want the sleeve. I knew what I wanted in my head. I knew I had in my head. Now, how do I produce it? So I did. I, I tracked a guy down who was involved in again a very big production company in the states, but he lived in Europe. He lived in Ibiza and and Prague, and and I just said, look, you know, I I don't want you to run the films I know what I want and I'm you know I'm okay uh, creatively and, and behind a camera so but I don't know how to start you know how do I reach out to models in this industry I've got no track record I've got nothing so would you kind of just come in for a few months and just start you know where I can start engaging with with models and start talking about what I want to do and that's how it started yeah
0: do you look back now? I think it was
1: brave, or did it just? <laughs> <laughs> it must have been bloody nuts. <laughs> it was. It was incredibly brave when I look back now. But there's a, there was a funny thing. Um, again, there's something about forties. I don't know what it is. There was a moment where I go, where I said to myself, "Do you know what? It's it's now or never. You know, if you're going to do this, get on and bloody do it. Don't don't hang back and just think what if because it was strange because also at that time, and I think it it did have an impact on me um, quite significantly, but Fifty Shades of Grey was out there. And I remember going along, and I hadn't at that time told girlfriends and things. And I remember going along to a book club and this girlfriend of mine charged through the door going, you've got to read this. <laughs> sort of slapping Fifty Shades on the table. And I I just went, okay. And straight away, it just, made me realize women are interested in sex we are just as hot-blooded as men we just haven't been catered for you know we want we want passion we want we want a context to the sex and we want the focus to be about our pleasure so this was going on and it was just helping me formulate the fact that women were quite um quite open-minded or more open-minded they just had almost been given permission and and whether you liked the book or you didn't like the book or you however whatever your view was I strongly felt that at that time it almost gave women permission to talk about sex with girlfriends that they'd never done before and they were doing this in little homely book clubs all around the country and, and even you go on holiday and, and you'd see somebody and it was in a foreign, but you just saw the, the outside book cover and you just went, yeah, they're on, they're, they're reading that, they're in the second book now, you know, because you just recognized the book cover. Um, so when I actually launched, which was 2015, it was actually at the same time, the very first film came out. And so I sat there in the audience, like loads of other women, And I just looked around and I went, God, they're thirsty for it. I mean, they were, they, it fell short for them because they, they wanted the sex that actually was in the book that they couldn't quite do for 15, you know, or what what, did it? Yeah, it was just a 15, I think. Or was it an 18? I can't remember. No, I think it was 15 because they wanted it to commercial. Um, So yeah, I, to me, I just thought, no, I, I haven't got this wrong. Go for it.
0: I'm interested always in a bit more of the like day to day of of a business like this. What what does your day to day look like in terms of, of running?
1: Yeah, well, it's it's pretty busy. Uh, I mean, there's all all aspects I'm involved in. So a lot of my time, I can be in my office um, where I'm dealing with a lot of matters online, talking to uh, about you know what shoots have we got planned. I might be talking about what are we publishing, seeing some post-production work of just how well pieces have actually come through post-production. I could be looking at uh, the marketing and the promotions. Uh, I'd also be talking to, say, my magazine editor about what are we publishing um, in the magazine that we have online. Uh, Maybe talking to authors, because we have a very uh, fabulous collective of um, erotic authors that write so what happens is I produce the films and then they actually if you like give that extra erotic coating uh, where they create a depth to the story Um, so I'm chatting to them um, and and then obviously having opportunities chatting with yourself here which is fantastic
0: as as the business has grown how much do you try and get this kind of fabled work-life balance do you have to get up very early do you have exercise regimes or like what you eat how much of all of that or is it fill out, fill out as you go
1: I'd love to say I'm on a treadmill at six <laughs> but I know I'd be lying um, I feel it's it's always been quite a, a work-life balance of work is part of my life it's not it's not separate I have a, an office from home uh, as well as sort of transient offices, um, and I've still needed to sort of bring up a family as well. So I, and and also it's a business that is 24 seven. This is a global business that I think people forget when they email um, support or something. I think they think it's at three in the morning, UK time, there is somebody sort of sat up somewhere. Um, and it's not, it's, it's we we have to sort of manage our time zones. Um, but we have a strong audience right across the globe. So there's always somebody at some time on the site, enjoying it, wanting to message, chat. Um, so it, it it is very much, I sort of work and live in, in a sort of a joint motion, really. There's no set hours, as it were.
0: And, and does that work for you?
1: I find it works for me. Um, so even weekends, you know, I'd, I'd still have, times where I'd be sat working, I can balance it with other aspects of my life and what I need to do, where I need to be. It's, it's just something, I've always had businesses. I've always had my own business in the past. So I'm used to managing um, that juggle, I suppose, of children and work. Now I've just got the fact that the children are older. So it is easier. I don't have that set regime of school life um which I have been there and I know it's tough because I used to also go and do the school run you know so the the day the day that my eldest started to drive it was like hallelujah <laughs> I don't have to do a school run
0: and how did that conversation go um explain to your kids what what your, what your business is yeah
1: well I, I knew there was a there was a day where this wasn't just me testing the waters this this was a significant business that i knew was here to stay and i knew i had to sit down and talk to them i didn't tell them from the absolute sort of get go i i waited to make sure it was something that was here to stay and i was i was happy with how the brand was and so on and then i i realized with my face then on the um homepage I knew there was that moment I had to say, look, uh, children, I n- need you to know I've got a boy and a girl. And um, it was fabulous because my my daughter <laughs> my daughter just said, oh, God," she said, I've heard frolic me. I've heard it. And I, and I did think about Googling it. But then I realized it's 18 only. So she said, I didn't want to go any further. So I said, good girl, good girl, you know, and, and we laughed about it. And they were incredibly, even my son actually was, um, he said, you know what, mum, that's it's pretty cool. And I went, thank you. But I think the other thing people forget is that really at home, nothing actually changes. It doesn't matter what you do in your work life, really. At home, you're still probably the one that makes the pancake mixture. Um, you know, you're still the one that says, take your shoes off. Um, you're still the one that's there as that constant. And I think they they forget that maybe mummy does these this other quite exciting job in a rather unusual way and uh, and I often think that with a lot of famous people you know ultimately you you're still the parents
0: do you feel like your personal values and the business values are in sync with one another do they have, do they look different or do you feel like it's been important that they they are married up
1: they are very much in sync i mean frolic me is my business through and through it's 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 been my vision it's been my my, you could say, a a dream to think you could create something in such a a scope, you know, multi-million dollar business globally. And I started thinking about it in the kitchen, you know. So it, it was very important to me, the values that I placed on this business, because we hear so much negativity about sex. And I thought that was rather sad, that sex is always sort of debased. It's always sort of gutter line, nobody ever sort of lifts it up and goes. do you know what? Sex is so important to us. Why can't we have good sex? Why can't we talk about great sex? Why can't we talk about fabulous fantasies? Why do we always have to just lower it? And I wanted to bring the ethical side, which is so important to me and something I, I feel so strongly about is so much of the problems we've had is really how we portray sex and what we portray. It's not about the fact we Show sex, because it is something that we we are biologically uh tuned to be just fascinated and and stimulated by sex, so whether we see it, hear it, talk about it, whatever we are meant to be aroused by sex this is this is all part of our human DNA um, and it forms the motivation for desire and our uh, need for sex and those relationships and so on. But the problem is we've just, we've just sadly with way tube sites kind of flooded in the nineties, once the internet took off and, and all of a sudden we had just a wash of this really gratuitous imagery that is very hard to almost switch off, you know, as soon as, as soon as you search for anything, it's kind of there in your face. Um, and I felt it was really, really important to have an offering that was that, safe alternative um, and so producing something ethically and when I talk about ethical and, and this is where I, I get sort of cross as well when I hear people say oh it's an ethical this and I think how do you know have you produced that and I've, I've produced these films I know these people in these films I know the team I know what we're doing so ethical is about production and and it's about how we we all work together um, and how we then portray that sex responsibly.
0: I'm also interested in, in how it, uh, the advent of OnlyFans has impacted your
1: business, if at all. I mean, it has, it has meant that, unfortunately, it's like everything with these platforms, social media, whatever, when they grow so large, you do question how they are validified in terms of what content is on there and what isn't on there and who's on there and who isn't on there and I think sometimes they just get too big um, and it's very hard to know it's it's a huge world out there so unfortunately there there's often also some negativity about that but you know what people are people should be allowed independently to um, manage their own desires for actually producing. If they want to produce that, it's, it's their bodies. It's, it's, it's for them to decide what is right and what is not. And for many people, it's, it's giving them an income as well that maybe is, is required and is something they can do safely. And I think we've, we've always got to come back to safety aspects and consenting aspects um, and not, not get too hung up about other aspects.
0: A bit of a, a change of tack. Whenever you see a brand, and especially one that's as successful as yours, it's easy to think about the su- success story. But I'm interested to know, well, first of all, any sacrifices that you've made in order for this to happen?
1: Only sacrifices. I, I think just with any business that you're running, you you sacrifice a lot of time. I mean, a lot of my time, my life has has been involved in this business. Um, you can't run a successful business without investing in a lot of your energy. But then if I wasn't doing that, I would be doing something else. So I was always going to have a business and it just so happened that this one came along and I just felt, I've got, I've got this idea. I, I, I want to see, can I, can I do it? Can I make this commercially viable? Because that was one of the things possibly that some people said in the early days, close friends that we chatted with, they sort of said, yeah, who's who's gonna pay for their porn? But I sort of said, do you know what? I think there's a lot of people who are curious about sex and want to engage in it and want to add it to their own personal adventures. And if you don't make it too expensive, they will buy into the ethical values that you hold to actually be able to watch something without shame. They won't come away with a with a bad feeling that they've seen something they shouldn't see. So that gives me such a, a strength. I mean, there was one chap who who wrote and said, um, oh my God, Anna, just watched. There was a film we did called Fulfilling where we actually removed the head. It was more about the torsos of men you didn't really see, but you saw the woman and she was very much in control Um, taking charge of of the moment and and having and owning her pleasure. And this, uh, he was a husband because he said my wife, just said, Anna, my God, this is my wife's absolute fantasy and you've produced it in full color. Thank you. (laughs) And I just thought, yeah, because do you know what, women? We do have really naughty fantasies. Um, And we just doesn't mean that we can't sort of imagine that. I'm not saying that that's what all women are up to. But fantasies are wonderful things. They they really can give us an open doors. But um, I mean, that's how I started when I first thought of the first, first 10 films. When I launched, I started, would you believe, with just 20 films. I've got over 400 now. But um, I, I started with, what am I what are my sexual desires? What, what are my fantasies? What, what would I? And when you ask women, what, what, what fantasy would you like to have on film? Um, and one of mine was having sex in a lift. I, I don't know what, why. It's just, I thought, God, can you imagine just, you know, hooking up with some stranger and having naughty sex in a lift? So I think those, those sorts of things are really important. And I, and I think it's, it's lovely. I do get a lot of response because these are just people who are, yeah, they are just curious about sex. They, they want somewhere that they can safely explore and enjoy.
0: I mean, you're giving people a great time, aren't you?
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just giving them a little, I like to say it's a little kick-started, putting them in the mood because we all are starting to understand more and more how sexual wellness is part of our health having sex is is important for so many reasons, and, and I think we 're just starting to scratch the surface of understanding that now, uh, but the problem is is how do you how do you initiate desire for sex um, and women can be just as equally aroused that has been proven in studies we can be just as sexually aroused as a man. If we engage in maybe some erotica and we both watch something that's sexually stimulating, we will be just as aroused. But the problem is we've got a lot of going on. <laughs> you know, we've we've had to do the shopping, uh, we've just run in, and and you know the dogs shook all over the kitchen floor, and you know we're not feeling at our sexiest best. So it's how do you get in the mood for sex? And and the point is we do need erotica because we need to liberate that erotic imagination that that's that's how we we get to having desire for sex you know we've got to get in the mood you find that all of a sudden you know you're yeah you're feeling wow god maybe he's back in 10 minutes I mean you know I'll just say look put dinner on hold babes we're (laughs) we're you're gonna have me now
0: (laughs) do you feel like you become tuned out to it though that like sex because sex is now or well, the industry of sex is now your work
1: no no because sex is is personal I think that that's important that and desire is personal somebody else's desire is not your desire and and we are in charge of our own desire we will also be find certain things more sexually stimulating than maybe somebody else maybe 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 some women enjoy watching more sort of lesbian encounters um, where obviously there's a lot of female pleasure going on there. Maybe other people like more group threesomes. May I mean, hot wife sex is, is huge, and we do cover that in a lot of films. No, I, I, I don't think I, I do at all. Um, I, I feel I'm constantly sort of coming up with different kind of scenarios. I've obviously got a very naughty mind. <laughs> um, but I think women do. I mean, have you ever sat around a table, a couple of bottles of Prosecco on an evening and actually started, you know, conversations flow? And it always amazes me how, you know, I sort of, couples or women that I thought, oh yeah, you start hearing the, the, um, the girl or the woman start to say things and you go, wow, yeah, you know, it's there, it's in our heads. We are, we are sexual creatures. We just don't always have that opportunity to explore and indulge. And I think that's, that's a difference.
0: Do you have people submitting their ideas to you? Oh, yes. <laughs> really? <Is it? laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. I get a, I get a lot of that. Um, you know, oh, could you do this? And could you do more of that? Or So it does because it's got their mind going.
0: Going back to the idea of sacrifice or on that tax, has there been any mistakes or big learnings that you've made along the way?
1: I think mistakes I don't think necessarily mistakes. What I was quite surprised about is just the censorship problems that we have um, are just unbelievable. Um, so I've ha- yeah I've had battles with PayPal, um, which I was quite surprised about, and it was double standards um, because actually it really just boiled down to money. They I, I do offer PayPal now, but I have to do it through are one of our um, payment processes that we have. I couldn't just have my own direct PayPal account because they'd rather charge me an awful lot more because I'm adult. Things like that, um, having say um, censorship when it comes to uh, an email provider. Can you believe it? I have adults wanting to sign up to our newsletter that is really just talking about say new films that are out or maybe raising awareness for an article that that's featured in the magazine or maybe the story or just something like that. Um, Yeah, Mailchimp suddenly turned around and said, sorry, you can't use our mail facility. But because I have some sexual language or content or just even say sex, um, I'm deemed adult and therefore they don't support it. And they literally took that away from me straight away. You are so censored, um, which no other business would actually be so hampered, and I think this is what's so naughty and it it happens in in so many levels it doesn't stop me being able to to continue thank goodness and be and be um, very financially independent, but it is something that is very biased that if I was selling shoes, I wouldn't have the charges leveled at me against credit card companies than I would do if I was just selling shoes and I think it's we have got ourselves so back to front. If, if we want to actually start to have a very educated response to how we view and manage sex online, we need to be ethical in all forms. But also for companies like myself, I should be supported as just um, a recognized business and actually not find myself getting penalized just because the nature of the business. So that was something I learned quite early on, that um, we do get penalized very badly. Um, And it probably also indicates why there aren't many, well, I don't know of another woman in this country, certainly doing what I do, because it's very difficult to actually get to a point where you are commercially viable and you can remain independent, which I am. So I'm not part of any big group. Um, I'm not owned like a lot of these big tube sites are where really it all comes down to just a very few handful of companies that are running them that are sort of hidden behind doors and you have no idea really who's involved. It's just a money-making machine. Um, so yeah, I'm able to manage and do exactly what I want because I'm I'm independent, which is what I've always wanted.
0: Yeah, I hadn't even crossed my mind about all those challenges that must come up over and over
1: and over yeah. again. It's also like the reason why my um Instagram account has been <laughs> up and down so often and yet literally I think one of the photographs that was taken down I think we had a bit of shoulder flesh. I mean it it wasn't it wasn't a free the nipple moment. It was just the fact that I was linked to my site and therefore I shouldn't be on Instagram. I think it's just one of these algorithm issues that they they sort of wipe through so blindly. It's so wrong because it's, it's also discriminating against the fact that we need some sensible sort of sexual education out there. We need to have these conversations about sex and women need to be able to feel that it's important that we can be open and honest talking about female pleasure and break that taboo but it's very very difficult when your site keeps taking being taken down and and you're struggling to even understand why hence why you know they can some of my uh instagram accounts now are quite sort of small because i'm having to start all over again
0: it's so true Which, whatever business you drill into so much of it comes down to it challenges doesn't <laughs> it a <laughs> <laughs> oh, couple of questions what does success look like what you know do you have your big dream goal, and also
1: what would you like to achieve within the next year? My dream goal? Um, I certainly think actually having Frolic Me as a recognized go-to platform uh, where women and couples safely engage in erotica. There's no bad pop-ups. There's no uh, nothing untoward it's a transparent site, it's ethical, it um, really does focus on the joys of sex. And I suppose to have that as a recognized go-to brand. I always said when I started that, um, you know, I wanted to be a, the white company meets agent provocateur <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to sex, you know, where where people just go, hey, you ought to just, oh, it's frolicme.com. Like you know, it's, it's yeah, that's where you need to go. So. Having it recognized like that, um, I've got a way to go, but it's, it's getting there.
0: Has there been moments
1: when, when
0: you can really see your own success, when, it, when you can acknowledge it?
1: There are moments when I see certain um, days or say around Valentine's Day, and we just see so many people coming to the site, engaging in the site, signing up for the site. And and then on the back of that, having the positive messages, they just justify that we should be able to talk about sex. And I mean, talk about sex privately. I'm not saying this is something, everybody's sex should be private. Um, and when I then get those sort of support messages and they are talking about what joy and fun and, and it's opened up sexual experiences they've never had before. We don't always think about that that sex is a journey through our life, and sometimes it's a bit flat <laughs> and we all we all have those flat sort of low libido moments, but later on in life, they can peak and they can be fantastic and they can help you through times of illness and i've I've had those messages where someone has actually said, my oncologist has actually recommended that we sign up to your site. And I went on to, to read this email. Husband was very, very poorly and they said it would do them an incredible amount of good to engage in some sex and, and so on and, and uh, open their eyes to th- that sort of fun and pleasure. So when you have something like that and you realize the pleasure and joy that it's given that particular couple in a very very difficult time you realize that why why do we get so hung up about watching a bit of naughtiness you know and i i just want to to keep it fun and keep it light my sort of pornography is in a whole different camp to what i think a lot of people ever consider is pornography which sadly is what's the mass of tube sites that we see you know literally flooding flooding the um the search when, when you, you put in any sexual terms. But my sort of pornography is is about just the sexual fun that you can have, the eroticism uh, and yeah. So that that really does mean so much when I read that.
0: And then like more granular success, I guess, is there, any, is there a number that you want to hit or a, yeah, is there something that you want, what's on the on the kind of
1: pipeline for this year, I suppose? I think just getting to that point of actually really being known because I haven't put my my face out there. so anyone listening to this will probably go, "Anna Riches, God, I've never heard of her." No, I haven't. i've I've been too busy working and and creating what I've created, and and now it's time to really get out there and promote it. So for me to be a recognized for the brand. And what Frolic Me stands for, and being out there where people who go, God, yeah, I've heard about them. And how does it feel to start being out there and speaking about it? <laughs> Do you know what? I'm I'm proud of what I'm, I've done. I'm 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 not going to say I'm not. It it is very much. I started this. Uh, I remember coming up with the name Frolic Me. Uh, because I wanted it to be fun. I wanted, you know, can you imagine a little frolic and it was meant to be light and so on. And I remember from the very moment of coming up with the name, coming up with the concept, the style, bringing in the stories, um, it's, it's, been, it's been my journey, you know, and, and actually it's, yeah, why, why can't we just give ourselves a bit of a pat on the back? Because it has had challenges. I had to finance the first few films myself so I had to be gutsy enough to realize I could do it and then very slowly build my traffic. So it was very much little by little. The money we earned, we literally went straight back in, straight back in, uh, until all of a sudden, now we've got the momentum. But it's meant that I've been able to really keep it independent. And and. That's something. I've I've been in situations with businesses where I've had investors and all of a sudden it's like, oh, who's cooling who you know, who's calling the shots here? And I didn't want that to be the case with this. I wanted it to be um a gradual building process.
0: Well, I think it's a couple of really important points to pick up on. Number one, the idea of gradual, because I think we are all Sold this idea of like overnight like successes, and you know, especially because of the internet, things do blow up fast. But actually, a lot of success stories are just a very slow chipping away at journey that that grow in at the speed that they're meant to grow. At. Yeah,
1: I mean, we do have a lot of brands out there where you hear about it all the time. They they get a concept, they they open one, great. We now have to get investment. We're going to open five. Mm-hmm they haven't actually managed to get the first one profitable yet. And and you sort of wonder why they've, they've then managed to get this investment. They're now onto the seventh and hey, guess what? It's now folded. I had to make sure that we could make the profit and then keep investing, keep investing that money back in for growth. And then by by getting the offering right and not trying to charge anybody too much, I've had members stay with me from literally 2015 and they just renew, keep renewing, keep renewing and they stay with me. So that's really important. We have a good customer service, good loyalty. But yes, I've I wanted to make sure that by being getting those numbers right, I can be in control of what I do.
0: And then there was something else you said you talked about. Owning your success, and I feel like that actually sits very much in parallel with the the back end journey of the the whole of the brand. Women learning to own their desires and their and their pleasure, and women learning to say, "Look, I've built this, and I'm proud of it, and it's great." And it feels like parallel journeys, doesn't it, of, of women being loud and proud about what they've achieved and what they want?
1: Uh, yeah, it, it's funny. It's, it's something about as maybe I, I certainly fall into that category of. Maybe I just haven't shouted enough about what I've done and what I've achieved. Um, women are sort of quiet, hard workers. I often think we beaver away. We we don't over applaud. We um, yeah, we we keep much more of a, a a diligence and a hardworking approach. And then all of a sudden, there's a moment where we go, well, yeah, hang on a minute. Why why can't I sort of say, look, I've I've done this. You know, I've actually created this business. It's it's my vision, my dream. I've actually got it from the off. Um, yeah, we should we should be out there being very proud. Couple
0: more questions. Number one, you mentioned it earlier, but if you could have have had any other
1: business or any other brand,
0: which do you look at with envy?
1: There's sort of some interesting brands out there at the moment. I, I suppose if I were to touch on, I've touched on it actually earlier. And it was quite a significant brand because of the vision and and what their their narrative, their voice was. And it was when Agent Provocateur, I think, really started. Um, Things have changed now, gone a slightly different direction to a degree, different owners. But when when they first launched and they had such a creative vision for taking, um, in essence, taking lingerie, and actually going, "We're going to reimagine this and actually take it into a real erotic boudoir camp." And then they coupled that with such incredible creative imagery, which I suppose really what captured my mind, what I just loved, and, and watching their cinema adverts that, that uh, I know they spent huge amounts on. I mean, they were creative masterpieces that I still have looked back on over time. That vision. I, I really admired the creativity and the fact they were willing to invest that, that creativity into the brand really did redefine what sexy lingerie was. That up until that point, I think it was fairly plain and people just went to Marks and Spencers. You know, it <laughs> didn't quite have that sexiness that they came up with. So I would have loved to have had that at that time.
0: I agree. They were they were bold and they were classy, and they were, it was kind of intelligent. They were success. pioneering, yeah. weren't they, yeah, with they weren't. with what
1: they did because they they just took something and reimagined it.
0: And you also referenced that that very famous Kylie ad earlier on. I, I remember that
1: I was working or just about to start working in advertising at the time. It was so iconic. Wasn't it was it? it was it was awesome. And I think the line at the end did she come up with something? I mean, those were the days where you had big adver- uh, advertising budgets in the cinemas. And I think the line was, "If all the gentlemen in the room would like to stand up."
0: Yeah, and I can't decide whether it's a credit to the underwear or a credit to a great brand because we all, yeah, it, it totally got into the psyche, didn't it? Yeah. Two questions to end: Where can people find you, and where can people find your site? And uh, although, as you said, it can, <laughs> it might not be that easy on Instagram, but still, point people in the right direction. Yeah,
1: I mean, we do have uh, an Insta account. There is a, an Anna. Account And there's the frolicme underscore official account. Um, But really, if you want to come and visit the site, it's frolicme, which is all one word, dot com. You can actually sign up for a free story membership. So if you're just intrigued to read some of the stories, you can sign up for that and enjoy a huge plethora of fabulous erotic writing. Um, And then by taking out a membership, you get full access to everything. So that's all the films that we have and we publish weekly. Um, But there's already about 400 up online as we speak and you can stream and download. Um, Then you've got the audio porn, which is our erotic stories of the film actually put into um, listening format. So it really gives you some on the go erotic stimulation that's incredibly discreet so if you're sat on the tube later <laughs> and fancy a little light titillation of sorts then definitely some erotic porn is is for you and uh, those those are great to listen to so yes frolicme.com
0: that was good you did a great pitch for it then <laughs> and then my last question always at the end of all my podcasts is if you could have an honest conversation with one person who would it be and what would you say
1: oh honest conversation. I think this part of me, I want to have an honest conversation with somebody in the world of finance, I think, to do with my battles I've had over censorship and trying to get to the bottom of why. Uh, so whether it would be somebody high up at uh, in PayPal, or would it be somebody in uh, the world of, of banking? Um, I think I'd probably love to have that conversation. The issue of discriminating or censoring uh, sites that really are sites that are perfectly legal, uh, should be justified in their existence and actually bring a lot of people an awful lot of pleasure, to me seems so wrong. And yet it goes on all the time. So I haven't got a particular name as such, but I think I would love to to actually have some some big conversations as to why do they... Why do they feel that we have to be censored so?
0: That's a good one. A big wig at at PayPal or any other big financial institution. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for such a fascinating chat and congratulations on everything that you've achieved onwards and
1: upwards. Definitely. Thank you.
0: And that's another episode wrapped. Thank you so much for listening to Meet the Founder, part of But Why podcast. It's so easy to forget the humans behind the products that fill our shelves and phones but i love being reminded that every brand began with a person having a great idea these chats are about more than me being nosy although that is a big part of it it's about remembering the reality that success isn't linear and that being a founder doesn't take one shape thank you so much to my guests and thank you for listening and just one more ask if you could please leave us a review or shout about it on social media. It makes a huge difference to the number of listens we get. And last but not least, if you do want to get in touch, and I always love hearing from you, you can email me on buttwhy at clemmytelford.com or find us at podcast on Instagram. Wishing you a very excellent day and catch you next time.